You are listening to the After the Timeout podcast, hosted by Todd Zazadil and John Palicki, two high school head coaches looking to help others spread their passion for the game of basketball. Tune in for episodes about anything basketball related, on the court, off the court, and anything in between. We at the After the Timeout podcast would like to take a full timeout to talk about V-Reps basketball. Coaches, do you get frustrated by how some players just cannot seem to learn your offensive system? Are you spending countless hours teaching your offensive system to your team just for them to forget by the next practice? You should check out V-Reps. V-Reps was founded by basketball players and coaches to create tools that make learning plays easily a reality. V-Reps allows coaches to turn their 2D playbook into a 3D interactive video game that players can watch on any mobile device on their own time. Don't just have players watch film, have them live it and control the players so that they have a better, more efficient learning experience. It's free to try. Go to vreps.us to sign up today. Uh, on today's episode, we are joined by Marquise Hatch, head coach at Triton College, uh, one of the best programs in the area, one of the best programs in the region. Um, we're super excited to have you on, Coach. How you doing? And thanks for joining us. I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I just appreciate the opportunity to uh, talk basketball with some basketball guys. So I'm I'm pretty sure we're going to have a lot of fun today. Well, we we for sure will. So let's jump right into it. So uh, I guess the the first thing is you made the jump from high school to JUCO, right? And and absolutely, people might not think that's a huge jump, but uh, you know I, I've coached a little JUCO ball, and you know we've all coached enough to know that that's a that's a big jump, right? So what were the differences that you saw when you made the jump from high school to JUCO? Um, well, yeah, it, it definitely is a big jump. I think one of the first things that um, that I had to do was recruiting. Um, from the high school level, you know, you really don't do recruiting outside of your neighborhood that uh, feeds into your school. So uh, based on when they gave me the job, it was pretty late in the recruiting season. So I think I got the job in in late July. So by that time, it was not any recruits around. So trying to figure out a recruiting area because um, there wasn't any anything left. So um, it was a, it was a little challenging, I would say, in the beginning. But I think over the years, I've gotten a little bit better at recruiting. And, you know, hopefully the results will continue to go that way. All right. So this is the hot button issue. This has oh. been we've asked almost every guest. So here we go. You coached high school proviso West, you know, you and I coached against each other. Here we go. What are your thoughts on the shot clock in high school? Yes or no? Um, I'm, I'm going to say, yeah. Um, I'm going to say, yeah. I think um, the evolution of basketball is we're playing faster. Um, the lineups are relatively smaller now. So it's more of an up and down game. Um, the colleges are playing more of the up and down game. So I think, the earlier that we prepare our kids to play that style of basketball only enhances their chance of being able to play on the next level. So I definitely think um, adding a shot clock, I think is big. That was one of the big adjustments I had to make was playing with a shot clock. I always like to play fast, but now you have to play fast. 
So let's go through just for our listeners. What what are some pros of the shot clock and what are some cons of the shot clock, you think? Um, I think it's a double-edged sword. So some of the pros can be some of the cons just based off of the way that you coach. Um, I think that the 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 speed of the game definitely changes when you and when you involve a shot clock. Um, but a lot of teams that press make you play like you have a shot clock. So I think that you know, it, it just depends on which side of the fence you fall on. Um, another pro would be um, learn, for the kids to learn how to play with the shot clock before they get to the college level. Um, the sooner that they're integrated to that style of play, uh-oh, I, don't, I think that, you know, they'll definitely um, – it'll definitely help them. Um, so I'm definitely in favor of having the shot clock. I think that would be a great thing. All right, so we'll expand on that a little bit then. Um, and adapting to that, what are the, some of the things, uh, you know, I, I think it's bigger adjustment offensively, right? For a lot of absolutely. high school, for a lot absolutely. Of high school teams. Yeah, so absolutely. Uh, things you can do to kind of, a, you know, adjust to that, you know, 35 seconds is still a long time and if you want to play fast, but, but at the same time, come down to the end, you got red, right? Everybody's yelling red, 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 you know, like you got to go. So what are some of the things high school coaches can do to adjust to that? Um, well, I think definitely uh, practicing a lot more free throws, I think, will be uh, will be one of the things I would suggest. Um, but I would say, you know, a lot of teams go into what, what, we, what we would call a stall type offense at the end of a game, and it kind of sort of drags it out. Um, with the shot clock, I think that you have to address that situation a lot sooner than you normally would. Um, so I think stressing um, just taking care of the ball, um, players stepping to passes, not letting those uh, defenders get in between those and just having that good ball security, I think are the main things that I would work on as a high school coach. You know, coach, everybody with the shot clock, they always think offense. Everybody always thinks it's going to rush the offense. It's going to rush the offense. What about the defense? It actually might make it easier to play defense. It might actually support the teams that play good defense for 35 seconds. Oh, absolutely. I think that, you know, just being able to adjust to the way that the, the way that the game is being played, uh, the defensive mentality. You're not like you say. You're not playing that long. So a lot of teams that are masking that they are playing good defense, really after five or six, seven passes, you really start to find the holes in the defenses. So with speeding the game up, um, me personally, I would like to dictate the flow of the game just based off of my defensive pressure and things like things like that. Just being able to get after the ball handlers on the other team. Um, all right, so let's talk about, you know, your process at Triton. You rebuilt Triton to, to one of the best teams. You won a regional championship. Um, so what were some of the keys uh, to doing that? And, and, you know, when maybe a coach is taking over a new program or, or a program that's been struggling, um, in, in your mind, what are the things they can do at the high school level or even the collegiate level to kind of start rebuilding a program? Um, well, I think the, the, the main thing is your, your networking. Um, I think for me personally, because I coached on the high school level for nine years, I was able to create relationships with a lot of the high school coaches. So it became an easier conversation because I, I was familiar with the coaches, um, establishing, uh, just from a recruiting standpoint, um, just out of state connections, um, being able to network with those people, um, the AAU circuit is, is a booming business nowadays. Um, so I just think that being able to talk 
and get in contact with those people uh, to recruit students from out of state, I think was the turning point for, for me personally. All right. And it, I'm not asking you to give away any trade secrets here, but <laughs> all right, I'm, I'm, you're recruiting me to, to Triton. Okay. What, what is kind of your process, right? What are you, what are you going through? What are you trying? And I guess it's a chance for you to promote your program a little bit too. Like, um, you know, what's the process of your recruiting a girl to your program? Um, well, I think that, you know, you from a recruiting standpoint, you definitely want to recruit um, young ladies, in my case, that fit into what you want to do um, systematically. Uh, for me personally, we were we moved up to Division One this past season. So I think that playing on a Division One level gives 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 the girls an opportunity to play on that level in front of those uh, division one colleges and things like that. Um, just the higher the division, the more eyes you're going to play in front of, the better the competition. So I think it just breeds a level that from a recruiting standpoint, going to a junior college, you eventually want to move on to a four year university and coming to Triton will put them in a position to be seen, to get to those places that they're trying to get to. Well, you led right into it. So we were going to talk about the, the system. So, you know, the, my first part of this question is you have, you know, a college you can recruit. It's a little bit different than high school, but are you of the mindset? And we, we ask all coaches this question and we always get different answers. What is your answer to you have a group of players? Are you saying to them, this is how we're going to play and then find recruits that fit it? Or this is what I have and then mold the system around the players? Um, I think it has to be a little bit of both. Um, I think from a recruiting standpoint, I think that you target um, girls uh, from a athleticism standpoint, from a basketball IQ standpoint, from a fundamental standpoint of you seeing them being successful playing your style of basketball. But once you get into the gym, I think things may begin to change and the team may change form right in front of your eyes where someone you expected to step up didn't step up and someone you wasn't looking for to do much really surprised you. Um, I'm of the mindset that a, a good coach has to has to change his system to fit his players. Um, you know, you don't want to fit a, a round peg into a square hole, you know, so you want to make this season with that particular group and make sure that your offense and your defense philosophies fit to get as much out of that team, out of those players as possible for the best possible results. So do you think that idea changed between when you coached high school and you coached college? I think it's one of those where when you coach high school, you can't really shop for the groceries. You get, the food, you get the food that you have. Whereas in college, you can kind of shop for the groceries. So how did that idea change between high school and college for you? Um, because, because of when I got the job the first year, um, I, I had seven players my first year. And six of those girls were on the team the previous year. Um, so I didn't get the shop for the grocery. So in essence, it was more so like a high school season where I had to figure out the best way to make this group of girls as successful as possible on the court. And I think as the, over the years, especially the following year, as I was able to recruit, um, I think I began to see the type of players from a height standpoint, uh, from a uh, worth ethic standpoint, just a lot of different things that you look for in the type of players that you want to bring into your program to, you know, take you to the next level. I think that's the most important thing. So I've definitely had to change the way that I looked at uh, recruiting um, since I've moved up to the junior college level. 
So I want to move into building relationships with your players a little bit. Um, and, you know, you've, you've built up those relationships and you relate to your players really well. Um, you know, so how do you go about trying to develop those relationships once you get them in? Because it's a different situation. Like you only have them for two years, you know, so that process is a little bit, has to go a little bit faster uh, than most. And, you know, some players might, well, we'll be honest, think they should have been somewhere else. Right. Um, Absolutely. You know, so what is, how do you go about building those relationships? What are some of the things you do to, to bring the team together and, and you personally connect with those players? Oh man, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a big question right there. Um, so I, I think that from a relationship standpoint, I think that it starts in the recruiting process um, that you have to explain to them. Like you say, the junior college uh, experience is extremely, extremely short. Um, so, you know, I tell them a lot, I tell them all the time, I'm, I'm, I'm smiling and I'm laughing. I'm telling jokes in a recruiting visit. I say that as soon as we start workouts, I'm an entirely different person. So let's, let's get that, you know, out in the open. Um, but I think just explaining to them the, the, the significance of the situation that they have in front of them. A junior colleges provide you an opportunity to continue to play, continue to get an education and possibly lead to, you know, the next two, four years of your, of your life. Um, from a relationship standpoint, I'm a very personable person, John, to tell you, um, you know, I'm, I'm coaching, I'm laughing, I'm, I'm talking to him on the, he don't want to talk to me, but I'm, we, I'm talking did, to him at the same time. We did talk a little bit in game, but that's all right. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I just think that, you know, you, you want to be an example of, 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 of your program. You want to set an example of, of what you want the girls to get out of what you're trying to get them to see. Um, I think that we preach at Triton. Uh, coming in and making sure you stand on, on top of your grades. And after two years, you get to choose where you want to go. Um, the junior college thing, I would say, a lot of people say is uh, the, the recruits that you try to talk to is I'm going to a Division One school and then you have to wait and play the waiting game. And eventually those Division One offers that don't come through, then they'll come calling you back about, so what was you telling me about Triton College before? So I think that, you know, getting out of the stigma that everybody is going Division One. And, you know, understanding that a junior colleges provide a, a great service to a lot of kids that don't get a chance to make it to Division One out of high school. Um, a lot of the players that I get, I get from player to player communication. We know the, the basketball community, everybody knows everybody that plays ball, especially on the girl side, that that is not a lot of girls. So everybody knows each other. So if you had a good experience with one player. She may tell someone else that's looking to transfer or coming out of high school. It's just all different type of ways. I've been able to have girls come to try. Um, just learning this whole junior college landscape is, is crazy. Real quick, before we go back to questions, I, I, I told Todd, I was like, I, I, there was a game you and I coached against each other and it wasn't, we were at a neutral site. And I just remember the refereeing was so bad. I've never seen two coaches agree against the referees at the same time. That was one of my favorite stories with you. We, oh we, man, I we remember that game. together. Oh my God, that was, that was you know what? I, I don't want to say anything, any bad things about any referees just no. in case I get fined. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I love I loved the stripes and you know, we'll continue to go. <laughs> All right, so like, let's expand on um, those relationships. But what, what if you do, if, if a player doesn't fit? Oh man, um, I guess 
you know, you have to make adjustments. Um, I'll use this season as an example for me personally. Um, we started the season with 16 girls and through process of elimination, by the time we played our district championship game, I was down to eight girls. Um, so from a junior college level, you know, the, as we talked about before, the, the time, the time is so short. So the margin of error is so small. So, um, if you come into a situation and you're not holding up your end of the bargain, just like with any job, you know, um, you know, you have to find somewhere else for you to get employment. Um, so, uh, from a basketball standpoint, you know, it just, it's all about fit, you know, um, with it being a short time, you want to come in and get the work. And if things don't work out for both parties, then, you know, we have to find a solution that'll work for, for both sides. All right. So let's expand on this even more, right? We have, we have everybody and their mother in the transfer portal, right? We got, uh, kids being able to stay another year. So that's trickle down effects going to affect high school kids. Um, which, you know, to be honest is me when I was putting my Harper hat, right. I'm like, well, maybe I have a chance at an, a kid, you know, a, a, a kid because, um, so, so how do you think that's going to affect your recruiting here this year and, and the, the upcoming years based on obviously a, a pandemic and, and what has changed in the last couple, uh, you know, at least a year in recruiting? Well, I think this year is, is a, is a different year, um, the pool of players is so large that it's hard to kind of sort of decipher through everyone. Um, you have a lot of kids from the division one level that are transferring down. Then you have the, the entire high school senior population of those trying to break in. So trying to figure out and, and get a mix of what works for you. Um, I think that from a recruiting standpoint, I've been extremely patient um, while I've targeted a nice number of players. Um, and I think that, you know, I'm waiting to see how the transfer portal continues to pan out because from a junior college standpoint, we're kind of at the bottom, but I actually will put us above the division three level. Um, so the trickle down effect is starting to work down where you're starting to get those people that are starting to slip through the cracks that could ultimately be, be a game changer on the junior college level. So if I can get at least two or three of those game changers, I think that we'll definitely be in business next year. So let's kind of talk about just women, the women's game as a whole. You know, my first question, and, you know, obviously we, all three of us have, have coached on the girls or the women's side. So first, what are things we can continue to do to develop the level of exposure to the women's game for the women athletes? Uh, well, I think the, the AAU circuit, uh, I think, is is definitely growing um, by the droves. Um, the WNBA, unfortunately, the things that they went through in the bubble, um, it shined a light on women's sports. Uh, so I think that by learning from those experiences, I think is shining a brighter light on women's sports. Um, I think from a Illinois standpoint, someone like Candace Parker coming to the Chicago sky, I think that that's a game changer where trying to connect the girls that we have to looking at the WNBA as a viable option is something to work towards. Um, and just promoting everything women's rights. Um, I've been fortunate um, to only coach girls um, from a high school and college standpoint. So I think that my my perspective, uh, my love for that that for women's basketball in particular, women's sports altogether. But from a women's basketball standpoint, I think that I am an advocate for you know the equality of that because it, it matters a lot. I have two daughters and 
unfortunately, neither one of them probably will play basketball. But um, I think that just having that avenue, you know, being a viable option, I think is 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 key. You know, Kamala Harris being the vice president, I think that you know, women, we have a women's GM in in Major League Baseball. So I think that there are a lot of strides that are being made on the women's side, and you know, I just hope that those things continue to go. Um, and hopefully, I'm coaching one of the future, you know, leaders of some professional team tomorrow, so I can get some tickets. Hmm. Well, and I wonder too, like just with media coverage and fan support, you know, what are ways we can bring more fans and more media into the game? Because I think the three of us were sold. I think you know when we talked to you know Lynn Dunn or Jeff Walls or Kelly Graves, you know, they're sold. How do we bring more fans into the women's game? Man, that's 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 the million dollar question, I would say. Um, so some of the things that oh, excuse me, some of the things that I've been looking at doing is um, at Triton that we've done is um, because our men's basketball team has quite a following. Um, we try to partner up uh, with them to play games before they play. Um, you know, we um, I was able to uh, produce up a a food giveaway um, where we gave away about $10,000 worth of food where the girls are able to come out and, and intertwine with the, with the community and just be a face and, <clears throat> and understand, you know, the, the importance of giving back in the community, seeing these girls in that light that they may not have never met, you know, and just creating those relationships with the community. Um, and, you know, hopefully those things will turn out to fans coming to the game. So a little bit more. So, perfect lead in we, we talked about the community and we've had uh so much discussion this year uh, surrounding race uh racial inequity uh gender inequity right with with the women's game uh you know police brutality voter suppression so um we you know we think it's important to to hear other people's opinions on how you have those conversations with your team about those issues because those those are things that just you know they, they don't go away if you don't talk about them right um, they're, they're always there. So, so how do you have those discussions to build your, your young ladies and, and your young women to, to, you know, be aware of those things? Well, I think uh, one of the things um, I'm a pretty, I'm a personal coach. I like to think a player's coach uh, by me being a former player. So I, I try to be that coach that I would have loved to play for that I would have loved to talk to. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to have some great coaches uh, coming up um, that showed me the way. And I try to try to do that to, to, for my team. Um, I know we have open dialogue where we are able to, you know, sit and talk and just talk about all, all issues uh, we, from from the presidential races to police brutality, um, excuse me, police brutality um, and just a lot of the different things. Just but being able to be have an open door policy where everything is able to be addressed and we can respect everyone's opinion. Um, I don't think we can honestly say anybody's opinion is the right one, but I think that if you understand everybody's opinion, whether you agree with them or not, you can respect, <clears throat> you can respect because you know where they're coming from. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, and, and I think it's interesting, especially, you know, in a team, you know, what do you do if you have those conversations and somebody has a completely different viewpoint than the rest of the team? And it's almost like, okay, you know, like, how do you, how do you, would you handle that? Um, well, I think the main thing is, is that we, that we want to, we want to respect each other as humans. Um, I think that that's the main thing first. 
Um, you know, just because someone has a different point of view, whether it's religion or sex, orientation, anything like that, you know, just based off of the, the, the world that we live in today, you know, I think that if we address those things out in the open and, and we can have open dialogue, that there shouldn't be any hidden stigmatisms or, you know, or, or just the type of racism where, you know, you, you got, it's hidden, you know what I mean? You, you want to address those things so everybody feels comfortable because if everybody's not comfortable in the environment, then it's probably not going to be the best environment for everybody. Um, so I think that, you know, just having those, those hard conversations and just making sure no one is alienated just because they have a different belief from the group, you know? Um, so even if we have to do more research um, on the topic, but just being able to ever hear everyone out as an individual, I think is the main thing. So uh, I, we, you know, this is a great question, especially for someone like you, who's been a head coach a while, you know, that first year, you know, what would you recommend to a head coach? You know, what are, what are some of the things you established your first year, whether it was at Proviso, whether it was at Triton, you know, what were some of those things that, that started you off on the right foot that you think young coaches, when they get that first opportunity, because, you know, we're so excited. Everybody always is, is very excited to get their head coaching job, but what are those first few things they should do? Um, I think that you want to know your administration. Um, and, and know what they expect, um, the support that they give you. Um, you want to um, lock down your coaching staff. Um, I think that the, your, your coaching staff, they're an extension of you, and there are, there are extra set of eyes and ears, so you want to make sure that you find people whose opinions you trust, um, who you can learn, you guys can learn from each other, um, but you, you definitely want to make sure that your support system is there. Um, then I probably would want to learn the environment of where my players come from, especially from a high school level. I want to locate the middle schools, um, the, the local park districts. I, I want to know everything about my sport in my area and where we can figure out a way for us to be successful. I think that's the most important thing. And even on the junior college level, just learning the recruiting, I guess, battlegrounds where you and other teams are fighting for players and just learning the high school coaches so just establishing your environment, I think, is the most important thing. So I think it's interesting. I just want to hit on one more thing you said. So, you know, Todd and I and you and, you know, we've all had to hire staff. I think, you know, we talked a lot about recruiting of players, but what are things you look for when you're hiring a coach? What, what are those things you look for? What are those things you want to hear them say or, or questions you might ask? Um, I think that you want to you want to know their intentional coaching. Um, you want to know their their love for the game. Um, and I think, um, you know, you want definitely someone who has the time and flexibility. Um, coaching uh, definitely doesn't pay what we would like it to pay. And the amount of time that you put into it is extremely time consuming. So I think that your your life outside of coaching has to be stable enough that you can be reliable. You can be counted upon to be where you're supposed to be when you need to be. Um, I think one of the things um, that I look for in the coaches when we talk about the money, you know, I, you know, the money thing, I think, is one of the key factors for an assistant coach. Um, you know, we talk about the Bulls as an assistant coach. You know, that's a nice number. When we're talking about a high school assistant coach, not as glamorous. Uh, so I think that understanding how how the money aspect of it goes into everything and just making sure that they're a good person to bring around. 
coaching girls, I think that you have to have an extra high alert uh, for the, the type of people that you bring around the girls just based off of they're at a very impressionable age and you want to make sure the people you're putting around them are positive role models that they can look to to maybe emulate or maybe learn or be at least be open to having conversation to one of the many coaches that you do have on your staff. All right. So we, we, the final two segments, the one segment we call 30 second timeout. And as we joke with all the coaches, it's there, there's no timeout or there's no referee in your timeout. So it's very loose <laughs> 30 seconds. Okay. So this is just a platform for you to talk about anything you want tell our listeners about your program or something you're passionate about an outside organization or a charity or a story from the season or something unique you want to talk about anything you want to talk about the floor is yours. Okay. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Uh, So I will talk about my non-for-profit organization, which is called athletic connection. Uh, We are based in the proviso township and we were created uh, me and two of my childhood friends uh, we ended up going to college together at Grambling State. We had the same age or same classes, and we created a non-for-profit. Pre- um, it was actually a PowerPoint presentation where we had created a facility. We were providing training teams and things like that in our neighborhood. And we said to ourselves, after we got an A, that we, if we had the time post-graduation that we would kind of sort of try to make this happen in our neighborhood. And lo and behold, we were able to do that. Uh, right now we're in our eighth year, uh, going to our eighth year operation. Um, we train for football, basketball, baseball. Uh, we have a baseball little league. Uh, we have about eight teams. Uh, we just started a girls softball team this year. Uh, we do AAU basketball. Um, we do football camps where we have over I think last year we had over 150 kids, um, high school kids show up and we had college coaches come out. We had a videographer. Uh, we gave away, you know, free snacks. We had sponsors and things like that. Um, we also do community service projects as far as with the $10,000 food giveaways. We do Easter egg hunts. We just try to provide the opportunities to the youth in our program that we had growing up that kind of sort of went away. Um, now that we were able to, you know, you take you sports to go to college, to graduate and come back, we want to give back to our community to possibly do the same for the youth that we have out there now. So coach, let us know then how can, how can our listeners uh, get in touch with your programs, get, you know, help out, do all that. Absolutely. Um, Well, we have a website, athleticconnection.com. The connection is spelled with a K. Um, so if it's regular athletic and connection is K-O-N-N-E-C-T-I-O-N, um, athleticconnection.com. And from there, you can get to any one of the sub pages if you want to get into basketball, baseball, or football. Um, you can contact me directly, uh, Marcus Hatch at triton.edu. Um, and yeah, absolutely. We're definitely looking to link and continue to expand as a program, as an organization. All right, so our last segment is called Quick Hitters. Just kind of rapid-fire questions. Could be basketball, could be could be whatever. So the first Absolutely. one is, your favorite thing about coaching JUCO? Oh, wow. <laughs> favorite thing about coaching JUCO. Um, I think that when you're able to have the players graduate, I think that that's an accomplishment. Um, I think that when they come in um, as a freshman and they leave out after their sophomore year, uh, possibly getting that scholarship, um, I think, and just seeing them in their cap and gown to that 
that they understand and know that this is only the beginning and they're continuing on basketball and education. I think that's great. All right, here we go. Thin or deep dish pizza? Oh, deep dish without a doubt. Without a doubt. All right. Uh, favorite book about a coach that you've read? Um, because I went to Grambling State, um, I chose Eddie Robinson for yeah. a for a uh, for a report, and I was able to read his autobiography and just the it everything about the book was just great. Um, just the way that he went about coaching and how he cared and loved for his players and the things he did for him, I think was was very inspirational to in me being a coach now. That's a great choice. All right. We got favorite women's basketball player of all time. Wow. Um, my favorite women's basketball player. Um, I'm gonna have to go with probably Maya Moore. I love Maya Moore. Um, from Connecticut all the way through. Um, I just love everything she's about, everything she stands for. All right, let's go. Favorite basketball movie. I got two. I got two. I got uh blue chips is definitely Ooh, on my list. I that's love blue yeah, chips. Yeah. And I love uh hurricane season. Oh, Her- that's a good season. one. Forrest Whitaker, yeah. I think. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I haven't seen that in a long time. Yeah, those uh, are my top two. We 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 had Mike Neighbors on from Arkansas and he does lists of everything. We should He's like he had like 85. Yeah, we should find movies. out where he her oh, I can keep going. You know, Coach Carter's <laughs> on the list, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, like Mike. I mean, I got a thousand basketball a movies one. I can go. <laughs> All right. So this one, this one's our last one. It's a little, a little bit fun. You can build any starting five in the history of NBA players. You build your own starting five. Okay. So this is this who I like? Yeah, it, it, it could be any starting five. You can pick any yeah, five players you. you want. Okay, so I'll, I'll keep Michael Jordan separate from this conversation. He's the GOAT. I'll keep him out of this just to make it Done. how I like it. Uh, so my favorite point guard of all time is Tim Hardaway. I love oh, Tim Hardaway. UTEP two-step. Oh, man. Run TMC. That, that, that's yeah. my guy. I love Tim. Uh, so I would go Tim at the point. I will put Kobe at the two. LeBron at the three. I'm a traditional old school guy, so I'm gonna go Tim Duncan at the four with Shaq at the five. All right, <laughs> I don't think that team's losing very many games, but uh, coach, this was phenomenal. We, I, I knew going in, I was like, Marquise is gonna bring energy. Uh, listeners, look up Athletic Connection, jump on there, donate, uh, help help the, the the kids out, help the organization out. Uh, check out Triton women's basketball coach Hatch does a great job and uh, coach thanks again for joining us hey thanks for having me I I definitely like what you guys got going and you definitely got a listener and a follower and whatever you need from me let me know I definitely come back home thank you for listening to another episode of the after the timeout podcast hosted by Todd Zazadil and John Palicki. For more show content and upcoming episodes, follow us on Twitter at After the Time Out or subscribe to our podcast for upcoming episodes. For show inquiries, you can email us at afterthetimeout at gmail.com. You can find all of our previous episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast by searching after the timeout. We appreciate you listening. 
Tune in next time for more basketball content on the court, off the court, and anything in between.